Well, you can be grateful that's the last time you have to endure that cheesy video in this. Uh, I, 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 maybe it's the last time I have to endure that cheesy video that they made, made me make. Well, hey, we're glad you guys are here today. Welcome to Orchard Church. Uh, take out your Bibles, your mobile devices this morning. Turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 31. That's the first book of your New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew 25, 31. Uh, that is our main passage and text we'll be looking at in just a moment. Uh, we are wrapping up our series called Neighbors Today. We've been talking about loving our neighbor as ourself, loving our neighbor the way Jesus has asked us to love our neighbor. We've talked about some very important subjects in this series. The first week we talked about racial reconciliation, the importance of that. Last week we talked about loving the lonely. I hope you had an opportunity last week to put some feet to that message and put it into action, um, to give someone your time, to give a listening ear, a loving touch, a handshake, a, a pat on the back. Let's make sure we're putting these things into practice. Not, we're not just studying them and learning them and talking about them, but we're doing them. We're being doers of God's word, not just hearers. And we're going to wrap up the series today with another very important subject. If we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves in our community, um, in our nation, and around the world, we're going to talk about empowering the poor today, empowering the poor. And I'm sure you're as grateful as I am for a church family that loves and cares for people in need. Amen? That, that we love people, we care for people, we reach out to people in need, those that may be less fortunate uh, than us, and that we neighbor in, in that way. But you know, when you think about it, poverty is kind of relative, isn't it? Uh, poverty is relative. What one person considers to be poverty may not be the same as another person. Sometimes people say, oh, I'm so broke. You know, it's like, well, how broke are you really? And so actually, we, we're going to have a little fun to start out because this is going to be kind of a heavy message uh, from here on. And we found some tweets, and these are people that actually tweeted statements starting out with, I'm so broke, okay? So here, let me share them with you. First one said this, I'm so broke, I can't even get a sugar daddy. All I can afford is a Splenda daddy. That's pretty broke. Now, this next one, you may have to be 40 years of age or older to get it, so work with me. I'm so broke, this person said, my baloney has no first name. How many of y'all get that, okay? You get that? All right, if you're under 40 and you don't get that, then just ask someone around you that looks 40 or older, and they'll explain it to you. Uh, here, here's another one. I love this one. This is one of my favorites. This person said, these are actual tweets, I'm so broke, I rub cologne from magazines on my shirt, and when they say, oh, you smell so good, what is that? I say, page five. <laughs> That's pretty broke. That's pretty broke. Uh, let, let me give you one more. This one person tweeted, I'm so broke, I go to KFC to lick other people's fingers after they eat. Everybody just go, ooh. I mean, that's gross and broke. If you're going to be broke, be broke. Don't be gross and uh, broke. But we're going to talk today about how to empower uh, the poor. And, and I think most of us would probably recognize and agree that depending on where you're from, that other places in the world probably define poverty different than we might here in, in the United States. I remember uh, when I was in middle school and I went on my very first mission trip to a third world country in an impoverished neighborhood. 
And I've gone on many trips like that since uh, throughout my life and with our church. And I've gone to places like the Philippines and certain places in Mexico and Haiti. And, and what we consider broke and poor is much different than what a lot of people in the world uh, consider. You know, if we were to find out if we're broke, we get on, you know, our cell phones or our computers and we check our online bank account. Or we go to our refrigerator in our house and check to see if there's anything in the refrigerator. But when you go to third world countries, these people are living in cardboard boxes and tin roofs and dirt floors and no running water, um, no clean water many times uh, in the house. There's no toilet. Their toilet is a bucket in the corner of the room. And, and so poverty is rel relative. And po poverty, though, is impacting a lot of people uh, around the world and even in, in our community. And I believe we have a biblical responsibility to be part of the solution uh, to helping empower the poor. And so we're going to jump in our main passage in Matthew 25, 31 this morning. And Jesus talks about the importance and the responsibility as Christ followers that we have to empower the poor. Let me give you the context. Jesus is here talking about the final judgment day, but in this, he also talks to us as believers and the responsibility we have to help those people in need. We'll jump into verse 31, and Jesus said this, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep, which would be the believers, from the goats, which would be the unbelievers. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king, which will be Jesus, will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by the Father. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we could truly say we've been blessed by the Father. Amen, church? The blessed by the Father are the believers. He says, uh, those who are blessed by the Father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Now watch this. Jesus says, for I was what? Hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. So there's a lesson there. If you see someone naked, give them some clothing. All right, help them out. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, again, the righteous of the believers, Lord, when? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you? I mean, none of us have personally met Jesus in his uh, earthly physical form. So w when did we ever do this? Or, or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, anybody in need, my brothers and sisters, you were, help me out church, doing it to me. You are doing it to me. And when we help someone in need that is less fortunate than us, it's as if we're doing it for Jesus himself. That's powerful. If we would remember that as we go through life and go through our day, that if, if someone has a need and I can meet that need, it's as if I'm doing this for Jesus himself. And we get the, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those people who are in need. Now, I'm going to share with you in a moment this morning three ways that we can serve other people, that I believe we're called to serve other people. But before we go there, I think we need to get on the same page and define what is need and what is poverty. If we're talking about empowering the poor, what is poverty? Because it's defined differently by different people, and it's defined differently based upon where you live in this world. There's an incredible book, if you ever get a chance to read it, called When Helping Hurts. We want to help people. We don't want to 
hurt people. We want to empower people. We don't want to enable people. If you're with me, say yes. And in this book, there's a couple of key thoughts that really change, I think, the way we think and the way we view what is poverty. I hope you write this down. What is poverty? Most Americans define poverty as a lack of something material. That's how most of us in the United States would define poverty. I'm lacking something material or someone is lacking something material. That They need more money. They need a house. They need food. They need water. uh, They don't have health care. If it's your teenager, they may think they're poor because they don't have the latest iPhone. Or maybe you know somebody that's like, you know, I don't have leather uh, heated seats in my car. But other people around the world don't even think about poverty in in that way. They don't define it as something material. They define it in a different way. The World Bank did a survey of 60,000 impoverished people in third world countries. And here's what they found, how those people define poverty. You have this in your notes. Write this down. The truly poor define poverty as a mindset. It's not just lacking something material, it's a mindset. What they found is it's, it's about how they feel, it's about how they think. They feel shame, they feel worthless, they live in fear, they feel helpless, they feel hopeless. They, don't feel, they feel like they're in a situation that they can never get out of. They can never move forward. They can never better themselves. They feel trapped. They, they, they don't know how they would ever even attempt to get an education to get them a career or to get them a better job. They don't know where they would ever even be able to afford transportation to get to a job if it was offered to them. It's, it's a mindset. They think differently. In the United States, most Americans define poverty as the lack of something material, but the truly poor define poverty as a mindset. And one of the things I want us to think about today and talk about as we're helping people and we want to empower the poor is to help them change the way they think, to change their mindset, to help them without hurting them. And here's a key thought I want to give you. Put, write this down in your notes. Here, here's our goal. We want to give people a hand up, not just a hand out. Amen? We want to give people a hand up. We want to empower them, not just give them a hand out. And I know there's times in our lives that there's such a fine line between those two. We've all been there, you know, right here in our community or in the Denver metro area, or if you've ever went downtown and there's homeless people and they've got to sign up and they're needing help. and, And it's like, you know, part of me wants to help them and part of me is like, well, am I really helping them or am I hurting them? Am I empowering them or am I enabling them? If I give them some money, are they really going to get some food? Are they going to go buy more drugs and alcohol and cigarettes? I mean, it's, it's a fine line, isn't it, church? And sometimes even our best intentions to help people may hurt more than they help. And I don't want to share a story with you that happened many years ago um, in one of the small groups here at Orchard Church. It was in one of the groups that uh, Shelly and I were a part of when the church was very young, and we only had two or three small groups. And we've had other groups do this, um, even recently, as, as recent as last Christmas. And so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it's wrong and we shouldn't do this, but we have to be careful about how we go about this and, and I made a mistake. I felt like our, our small group made a mistake. We were just focused on giving a hand out instead of giving a hand up. And let me tell you what happened. Um, 
um, we, it was getting close to Christmas time, and as a small group, we wanted to serve a family in our community that was in need, and the husband, the father, I think, had lost his job and been out of work, and they had several kids, and so we said, we want to give you a great Christmas. And so we bought all these gifts for mom and dad and the kids and got all their clothes sizes and all these things. And, I mean, it was overwhelming how much stuff came in. And I remember we showed up at their house, and we were all excited to give them this great Christmas. And, and we brought in bags, I mean, several bags, big, huge, you know, garbage bags filled with all these presents. And we started putting them out, and they filled the entire room in this, like, little one-bedroom house and we were so proud and we were so excited and the kids were excited, but I'll never forget looking over at the dad. And he was sitting there watching all these gifts go into the house and his hands in his face like this and he was sobbing. And he was feeling shame. He was feeling guilt. Why couldn't I provide this for my family? Why couldn't I do this? We wanted to help, but we saw that maybe this was kind of hurting and we didn't, we didn't mean for that to happen, but that's what happened in, in that situation. Maybe we should have spent as much time trying to help the guy find a job and get on his feet and, and do those things as we did buying him a bunch of gifts. Somebody, I remember walking out, kind of jokingly said, man, they'll never have another Christmas like that again. And we're like, oh, man, have we set them up for failure? You know, this family? How can they ever live up to that? You all know what I'm s talking about? We want to empower we don't want to enable. We want to help. We don't want to hurt. We want to give a hand up, not just a hand out. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I love our MANA Worldwide Feeding Centers that we've started. Orchard Church has started three feeding centers. We feed about 1,000 kids every day in the Philippines, Mexico, and Haiti because of the generosity of this church. And yeah, we can celebrate. Let's praise God for that. And one of the things... I love, love about Mana Worldwide. We partner with them. They help us get that feeding center started. And we fully support uh, these feeding centers. Our, our church alone supports these and started these. But one of the reasons we partner with that ministry is because they don't just give kids food every day. They give them an education. They help moms and dads be better parents, um, have better marriages. They help them get jobs. They're not just giving a hand out. They're giving a hand up. They're changing the, their mindset and the way they think. They're showing them that there is a way out. There is hope, and it's making a huge difference in the world because we want to give people a hand up, not just a hand out. We want to empower, not enable. But we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Proverbs says it this way, that, that Proverbs 19, 17 echoes what we read in Matthew, that when we do this to help people, it's as if we're doing it for Jesus. It says, if you help the poor, you are lending to the who? The Lord, and he will repay you. Again, that when we are helping people in the name of Jesus, it's as if we're helping Jesus because we're helping him reach this world for Christ and make a difference. 1 John 3, 17 and 18, I love this. Here's what uh, John said in 1 John 3, 17. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Because God loves those people. We should love what God loves, amen? And here's, here's his challenge to us. Dear children... You're like, well, I'm not a child, I'm an adult. How many of you are believers in Jesus Christ? Raise your hand, okay? Then you're one of these children. You're children of God. You're a son or daughter of God. Dear children, dear Christ follower, dear believer in Jesus, let's not merely what? Say that we love each other. Let's not just say we love our neighbor, but let us, help me, show the truth by our actions. 
It's easy to say we love our neighbor. It's easy to say we love those that are in need and impoverished. It's another thing to put our love into action and do something about it, to serve in the name of Jesus, to empower the poor. So how do we help in a tangible way? How do we put this into action to love our neighbor as ourselves? How do we help in a way that doesn't hurt? In our community, in our nation, around the world, with the basic necessities of life, food, shelter, clothing, clean drinking water. How do we do this? I want to give you three thoughts, three things that I believe we are called to as Christ followers to empower the poor. The first one is this. I believe we are called to serve others, not save others. Now, why do I say that? We're called to serve others in the name of Christ, but not save others. It's insulting and dangerous to think that I am the answer to anyone's deepest need. I'm not the answer. Church, you're not the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. So we're called to serve others, but not save others. Jesus does the saving. We do the serving and introducing them to Jesus. This is what Jesus himself talked about in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Jesus said this, and he's quoting an Old Testament passage. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's on me, Jesus. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You see, church, Jesus saves, we serve. Jesus saves, we serve. We are called to serve others, not save others. So if we're called to serve, how does Jesus want us to serve? And there's some language that we've started using among our team here at Orchard Church as we look for partner ministries that are serving people in the name of Jesus. And I want you to think about this. I want you to understand our approach to serving people in the name of Jesus, in this community, in this nation, and around the world. And there's two things I believe we can do to serve people in a very tangible way. The first way, if you're taking notes, is through relief. We serve through relief. Relief is immediate, temporary help during and after a crisis. That's what relief is. Relief is immediate, temporary help during and after a crisis. You know, a hurricane takes place, an earthquake, a tornado, flood, fire, some tragedy. People are displaced from their homes. There's an immediate crisis in their life. They need some place to stay. They need some food. Uh, They need water. They maybe need some money. And so when we see people in a crisis situation, we can serve them in the name of Jesus by offering relief that's immediate but but temporary help during and after a crisis. That's one way we can serve. And let me say this, and we do this from time to time here at Orchard Church, and I mean this. Some of you think I'm joking, but I'm not. At the end of this service, like we do every week, we will pass the offering bucket And that is for our people that call Orchard Church their church home that are Christ followers to worship the Lord through our tithes and our offerings for the advancement of the gospel and to help people in need. But if you're here today and you're 21 years of age or older and you have an immediate crisis in your life right now for food, shelter, clothing, not a new iPhone or heated seats, but you have a a legitimate need in your life, when that offering bucket goes by, if there's any loose cash in that bucket... We want to bless you with that. You take what you need. We mean that. Would that be okay, Orchard Church family, if we gave some immediate relief to someone today in that way? And we mean that. We don't want you to feel ashamed. We don't want you to feel bad. We want to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. 
So if we can offer some immediate relief to you today, we want to do that. But it doesn't just stop with relief. I believe that we're called to serve not only through relief that's temporary and immediate, but we're called to serve through restoration. Restoration is long-term relationship to rebuild wholeness. It's a long-term relationship to rebuild wholeness. In other words, long after the news people have left a community after a tragedy, there's still lives that need to be rebuilt. There's homes that need to be rebuilt. There's communities that need to be rebuilt. Uh, There's a person, there's an individual that needs emotional healing, that may need physical healing, that may need spiritual healing. We we don't want to just offer the temporary immediate relief. We also want to offer long-term restoration when that is needed. If you're with me, say yes. You remember when we launched this series a couple of weeks ago, the first story we looked at where we learned from Jesus how to neighbor was the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. You know what I love about that story? The Good Samaritan provided both relief and restoration to the guy who had beaten up, been beaten up on the side of the road. He gave him immediate relief. He picked him up. He washed him. He bandaged him. Put him on his donkey. But then he put him into a hotel. He said, hey, take care of him. Get him restored back to health. I'll pay the bill, whatever it is, when I come here next time. He gave relief and restoration. And I believe we're called to do the same thing. That we serve people. We don't save people. How do we serve them? Through relief and restoration. Now, here's the good news. Because that's overwhelming. I mean, when we see some of these crises and tragedies that take place in, in our country and around the world, we can't be everywhere all the time. I will tell you that from the bottom of my heart, we want to help. We want to provide relief and restoration. Our orchard staff, 20-plus people, and our full and part-time staff here, we, we want to help. But God has called us and gifted us to lead a local church, orchard church, to help people find and follow Jesus. That's what we're good at. That's what God has called us to do. But yet, we have also been called to serve with relief and restoration. But we don't know how to do that as well as some of the other ministries know how to do that. We don't have the time to do it. We don't have the resources to do it. We don't have the knowledge to do it. Let me just tell you, Orchard Church, if your house burns down or your house gets damaged, you do not want Pastor Doug with power tools helping rebuild your house. I am dangerous. Every time I go get power tools at my house, my wife starts calling some of you men that know construction. Would you please get over here and help your pastor? He's about to, you know, electrocute himself. And I can't reach the light bulbs, so I can't put the light bulbs back in either. I'm sorry. But here's the deal. We don't have to be good at that. There are incredible ministries in this country and around the world that are providing top-notch relief and restoration. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. And so I want you to know, here is our approach as a church family. We give money, resources every single month to ministries that are providing top-notch relief and restoration. And we know that they are best equipped. They've got the time. They've got the manpower. They know how to do this better than we do. And that's why we look to partner with ministries that do this in the name of Jesus. Because you can approach empowering the poor one of two ways. You can be reactive or you can be proactive. And I think it's better to be proactive, to be partnering with ministries that are doing this all the time, that you know every day, every week, every month, every year, people's needs are being met, amen? And that we get to partner with that. Many of you are new to Orchard Church, you may not know this, but about eight years, God laid it on my heart and the the heart of our team, and we made a decision 
that from that day forward, we were going to start tithing off the tithe every week, every month, every year here at Orchard Church. So anything that comes in through the offerings, through the general tithe um, and, and general fund, 10% of that goes into our mission fund to spread the gospel around the world, to plant churches here and abroad, and to help with relief and restoration. And that is where we fund uh, these ministries that we have partnered with. So here's the good news. If you just tithe at Orchard Church and that's all you do, you are also helping spread the gospel around the world. You're helping with feeding centers and you're helping with relief and restoration. Isn't that good to know that? And you're doing it every day, every week, every year. Because we send them, we don't wait till there's a crisis. We, every month, send them money to, to our ministry, partners in ministry. And let me share some of those with you that are providing incredible relief and restoration all in the name of Jesus to help people find and follow Jesus. Because they're not just trying to give them a hand out, but a hand up and, and introduce them to Jesus. Let me share. These are some of our ministries uh, that we, every month, currently support because of the faithful tithes and offerings. And thank you as a church. This is an incredibly generous church. And it makes these opportunities possible to provide relief and restoration. I cannot thank you enough. We are blessed to be a blessing. Last year, we gave over $200,000 alone to relief and restoration and worldwide evangelism because of your generosity. This year, we believe it's going to be over $300,000. And so we have our feeding centers, three feeding centers through Mana Worldwide, an incredible ministry that feeds kids to reach kids for Christ and families for Christ. We have our feeding centers, as I said, in Philippines, Mexico, and Haiti. Um, It's incredible the work that they do. Uh, We're part of the North American Mission Board. Uh, They have what's called Send Relief, and and they're one of the top three relief and restoration ministries in all of the world. Uh, When Houston took place, they were the first ones on the scene. They've got semi-trucks loaded with food and water and shelter and things, and so we, we just support them every month. And so when there's a crisis, man, boom, they're there. And they're there as the hands and feet of Jesus, and they're there as an extension of Orchard Church. Isn't it great to know that when a crisis happens, when you're a part of an organization like that, we're, we're already helping. We've already been sending funds. We've already been a part of this. You remember when the hurricanes recently happened in Houston, and we sent some money, and we, many of you were like, we want to get involved. We want to help. We want to know it's going to the right place. And we took up a special offer, and we sent like over $15,000 just like that, to Houston, to to help with the relief and restoration efforts. Um, Right here in our own community, we support the Denver Rescue Mission. Uh, They do an incredible job, not just giving a handout, but a hand up and introducing people to Jesus and giving education and housing and things like that. We support Life Choices. It's a pregnancy center for girls that are in crisis pregnancies um, and and also doing that with the gospel. Uh, We support Access Housing uh, down in Commerce City. Uh, They're helping get homeless off the street and into housing of their own. Uh, We support Community Uplift Partnership Cup right here in Northern Commerce City. Um, Every month we choose, we we send every one of these ministries an amount of money every month. We're proactive. Every month we do this. Sometimes we give even more if they have a need. And then something we started recently doing, and I love this, every guest connection card that we receive, once a month we pick one of our partner ministries and we give them an extra $5 for every card that comes in. This month it's Community Uplift Partnership. In addition to our regular monthly we give, we give this over and above. Last month, because of your generosity and all the guests that we had, it was Easter. So the ministry we picked during the month of Easter, like they, they hit the jackpot because we had hundreds of guests. We gave over $1,600 uh, last month to Almost Home in Brighton that helps with the homeless need right here in our own community. Can we give God praise for that? That's incredible. 
And we had the opportunity uh, last week to go and interview the executive director of Almost Home, because believe it or not, there are homeless people right here in Brighton, right here in our community. And she shared a little bit about what Almost Home does. And I want you to listen to what she tells you, because this is why we're partnered with this kind of ministry. They don't just give a handout, they give a hand up to get people back on their feet, back working, back in a home. And we get to be a part of this incredible ministry. And I know she wants to thank Orchard Church. So watch this. So Almost Home provides services to both families and individuals all throughout Adams County and then also in Southern Weld County. And our current focus is helping people with housing insecurity. So that could mean a couple different things. It could be families currently experiencing homelessness or we're also helping keep people within their homes. So we provide emergency eviction prevention and utility assistance as well. We provide GED and ESL classes to those in the community that need it as well. I'm really proud of how well our family shelter is doing. Since I've started, every family that's exited our shelter has moved to stable market rate housing, which is really exciting. It's really hard to find housing in this market right now. And so for people to be able to move out on their own, it's really cool. And it's, it's really doing what we wanna be doing, which is getting people back into homes of their own. That money helps mostly to keep our shelter going, which um, provides you know, the roof over the head of the family staying at the shelter, provides some case management. We're working on bringing in new classes for the families. So all of that funding really helps support these awesome programs that we have, and we wouldn't be able to do it without contributions from the community like this. We're always looking for volunteers that can provide some great skills to some of our uh, clients and residents, things like resume assistance, budgeting, potentially some assistance working on our shelter. We need a little work on our garden, some interior work, so if there's ever anyone that wants to donate some time to help spruce it up and make it a little more homey, we would be more than happy to have you. Hey, let's give the Lord praise for Almost Home, one of our ministry partners doing an incredible job. We appreciate Shauna, and I know she thanks our church so much uh, for being one of their partners. Um, We are called to serve others, not save others. Jesus saves, we serve. We serve through relief and restoration and partnering with some incredible ministries here and around the world. Let me give you another thought. We are called um, also to do this. We are called to love our neighbors ourselves by doing this, to relate with people, not rescue people. We are called to relate with people, not rescue people. We want to get to know the people that we are helping. We want to build a relationship with them because ultimately our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. And so that takes a relationship. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. Uh, Think about it this way. You have this in your notes. Write this down. People who are struggling aren't projects you help. They are people you love. Amen? The the people that are struggling aren't projects. They they are people that we love. Let me take you back to uh, the Gospel of Matthew 22, uh, 39, and this is where we kicked off our series, Neighbors, that Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. What's the first word that Jesus told us? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love them. That means you want a relationship with them. You want to relate to them, not just rescue them. You want to give them a hand up, not just a hand out. You want to love them. Now, I get it. We don't always like our neighbors, 
but we're supposed to love them and build a relationship with them, and then maybe you will find that you like them more than you realized. Love, there's a relationship. Uh, this is why we are always going on mission trips here at Orchard Church. We just had a group come back from the Philippines in February of this year. They got to serve at one of our feeding centers. Um, the, these feeding centers, these kids that we talk about, that we serve every day, every month, every year. And when you go over there, now you understand um, who these people are, who these kids are. You will fall in love with them. It'll never just be writing a check or putting it on your debit card and, that, and that's it. There will be a connection. There will be a relationship. I want to challenge you. Next time we announce one of our upcoming mission trips, go on one of these mission trips. Relate to these people that we're helping around the, the world. And, and we want to have good relationships with the people we're helping right here in this community. We want to relate with people, not just rescue people. One of our values here at Orchard Church, you'll see it on the wall, when you walk down the halls is this value. We are a church for our community, not just in our community. Amen? We're blessed to be a blessing. We want to be a church for our community, not just in our community. And we want to build relationships with the people in our community that we are helping. And we recently, we shared this with the church um, a couple of weeks ago, there was a need in Henderson Elementary. One of the things that we've recognized, and I challenge church planters and, and young pastors, look at your sphere of influence. Look where your church is located, within a half to one mile. What is um, unique about your local predicament that you're in? What, how can you minister right there. One of the things we've noticed as a church is that within a five-minute walk of this building, there are four public schools in 27J. There's a middle school, there's a high school, and there's two elementary schools, Timig and Henderson. And we have been working very hard for almost 13 years building relationships with these schools, with these teachers, with these principals. And we've told them, if you have a need and we can be a blessing because we're a church for our community, not just in our community, please let us know about that. Well, recently, the principal of Henderson Elementary, Natalie Rooney, she came to us and she said, man, you know, we're, we're one of the oldest schools in the district and our sound system is horrible. And anytime the kids, they put all this work into the programs or graduations that, that they're going to do to celebrate and we can't hear anybody, nothing works, and, and there's just no funds, but we'd like a new sound system. And we were so blessed to be a blessing that we bought Henderson Elementary as a church family a brand new sound system. And they had that installed. It was incredible. And I received a, an email from Natalie, the principal, that I want to read to you guys just this week because they've now been utilizing this new system, and they said it is just incredible. And here's what she said. Dear Pastor Doug and Orchard Church family, it is with great delight and gratitude that I write this letter. Your congregation has provided Henderson Elementary School with an amazing gift. There is no doubt that God answered our prayers through your generosity. As you know, Henderson is a small school that is known for community and compassion. We have the sweetest students who, much like our motto, Be the Difference, strive to build each other up through kindness. You allowed our students to feel valued by our community and to see the act of giving as a powerful way to open up opportunities and growth. This year, a wonderful grandparent of a past student and member of your congregation had an idea. He wondered if Orchard Church could help out in any way. Meeting with the member who humbly does not want to be named was a delight. It was a great break in my day to explore a possibility that will Im impact so many students for years to come. The music teacher cheered in delight, and our students could not wait to see celebrate and give thanks to a church congregation that cared for them. We are truly blessed to have Orchard Church as our neighbors. Can we give God praise for that? Isn't that incredible? I love that. I love that. And we've building, been building a great relationship with the, these schools. 
And so we are called. What are we called to do as Christ followers? How can we empower the poor? How can we help those in need? We, we are called to serve others, not save others. Jesus saves. We serve. We're called to relate with people, not just rescue people. And then here's a third thought as we wrap it up this morning. We are called to reach out, not reach down to people in need. We never want to reach down to them. We never want to feel like we're better than them. We've got it all figured out. We've got it all going on. Going on. We want to reach out to people, not down to people. Because here's the truth, Orchard Church. We never know when we might have a need. We, we, we never know when we might face a tragedy or a job loss or a crisis. We're in this together. We love our neighbor as ourselves. Brene Brown, an author, said it this way. We've divided the world into those who need help and those who offer help. The truth is we are both. Isn't that true, church? We're both. And sometimes we have an opportunity to reach out, not down, and help someone else because God has blessed us. And sometimes we need someone to reach out and help us. We need to avoid us and them type of, of language as we reach out and we don't reach down because we never know when we're gonna need help. How do we love our neighbor as ourself? We're called to serve others, not save others. We're called to relate to others, not rescue others. We're called to reach out and not reach down. And, and I wanna challenge you, encourage you with this thought. What is our mindset as, as a church leadership team is that we don't have to start a lot of new things. We wanna partner with ministries in a proactive way every month, every year that offer relief and restoration. Now, how do you put this into action today? How, how do you put this into practice in your life? One is give as God has blessed you. And as you give, we are able to give. Another way is to serve. I know all of our partner ministries, Denver Rescue Mission, Almost Home, um, Life Choices, Pregnancy Center, you can serve at these places. You can call our office here. They're always looking for help. We encourage and challenge our small groups every semester. Serve somewhere in the community. And they would love for you to come down and, and serve a meal and, and build some relationships. Go on a mission trip. And sometimes it's just as simple as helping that person in need that is right in your sphere of influence. It's that neighbor that needs help moving in. Or maybe they're a little bit older and you can help mow their yard or you can shovel their driveway in the, the winter. Or maybe you know that they have a crisis and you reach out in the name of, of Jesus. Sometimes it is that person on the street. There's been times that I didn't understand it, but I felt like God said, help that person. And I did. And I reached out and, and helped them. But we want to give people a hand up, not just a handout, in the name of, of Jesus because Jesus said, when we do this to the least of these, we're doing it to him. We're doing it for him. This is how we love our neighbors ourselves. This is how we empower the poor in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would put feet to this message. We would be doers of your word, not just hearers only. And that we would be the hands and feet of your son to those in need around us. So continue in an attitude of prayer right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. How many of you would say, you know what? God has challenged me through this series. God has challenged me today. I want to be more intentional and proactive in loving my neighbor as myself. I, I want to empower the poor. I, I want to make a difference in this world. Would you slip up your hand for prayer all across this auditorium if that's you, if God's spoken to you in that way? Amen. God bless you. Hand, hands everywhere. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that you will give us eyes to see hearts to feel what you feel to those who are in need all around us. Lord, that as we wrap up this series today, that we would not just move past this series and look back and say, oh yeah, I remember that series one day that we did back in 2018, but that we would begin to put this into action and practice in our life. 
that we would love those who are different than us, especially those that are different than us, that we would love the lonely that are around us, that we reach out with a listening ear, with our time and with a loving touch, and that we would empower the poor in a proactive way and as you give us opportunity. And that we'd all do it all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. So we continue in an attitude of prayer. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to talk to you for just a second. We, we've been talking about poverty today. And as we said, most of us think of poverty as missing and lacking something materially. But I want to talk to you for a moment about a different kind of poverty. It's called spiritual poverty. The Bible is clear that before we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, no matter how much money we have or how nice our house is or cars or money in the bank, that if we've never said yes to Jesus, our spiritual bank account is empty. We're broke spiritually. We are bankrupt because of our sin that has separated us from God. We are prisoners spiritually. But the good news is Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to pay our sin debt. And there may be some here today, you've never received that. The greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation and forgiveness of your sins. And that's what Jesus offers you today. That's what Jesus wants you to experience today. Jesus said, I've come to set the prisoners free. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished, to telestai, which means it's paid in full. And you may have come in here spiritually bankrupt, but you can come, you can leave here today with your spiritual bank account completely full full of love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, salvation, redemption, a home in heaven. Who wouldn't want that? And if that's you today, and you know it's time for you to say yes to Jesus, I'm gonna pray a prayer of faith out loud in just a moment. It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you pray this from your heart, a heart of faith and belief, you can say yes to Jesus today. You can have your sins forgiven and your spiritual bank account will be full of everything that Jesus has to offer you that he already paid for. If that's you today, you know who you are. If it's time to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me right where you sit from your hearts to God? And it goes like this. Jesus, I want you in my life. I'm saying yes to you. Yes, be my Lord. Yes, be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Fill my spiritual account. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for loving me. Thank you. Thank you. So we continue an attitude of prayer for a moment with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But if you just pray that prayer of faith for the first time, that is the most important decision you could ever make. We take that very seriously here at Orchard Church. It's what we're all about, helping people find and follow Jesus. And I would love, love, love the privilege just to pray for you, that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. So if you prayed that prayer, you know who you are just now. Without anyone else looking around, I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, would you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you? One, two, three. Lift up your hand. God bless you, man right here. God bless you, sir, right here. God bless you. Two or three hands over there. God bless you. Couple right here. Amen. God bless you. God bless you on my left. Couple of people in the back over there. God bless you over here on my left. Amen. Amen. Several hands. 
Amen. Praise God. Let me, let me pray for you. Orchard Church family, let's pray. Let's welcome our new brothers and sisters in Christ into the family of God. Father, we just rejoice and we celebrate in those saying yes to you today, fulfilling their spiritual bank account. We thank you that you've done that for those of us that have said yes to you. And Lord, we welcome them to the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now may we go out of here and be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are blessed to be a blessing. We pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's celebrate big time those saying yes to Jesus today. Amen. Amen. If you said yes to Jesus, if you just now prayed that prayer, you raised your hand, I prayed for you. Again, that is the most important decision you could ever make, and that is so important to us. We have put together a little booklet. It's the I Said Yes booklet, and it'll help you to understand the decision you've made and your next steps in following and walking with Christ. So I want to challenge you, please, please, before you leave here today, stop by our I Said Yes booth. It's right there in the lobby. We're going to give this to you free, and we're just going to celebrate and rejoice in your decision today. And so one more time, big time, Orchard. Let's celebrate all those saying yes to Jesus. God bless you guys. That's awesome. Hey, every Monday morning, a group of us from staff get together and we review some of the numbers for the weekend. And I want to let you guys in on one of those numbers. Every Monday, we see from Fuel, which is our Wednesday night student program, and all of our services here in English, Spanish, and OC Kids, every week there's about 50 people that make that decision to follow Jesus for the first time. And so I don't know if you know this, but that's unique. That is special. God is doing something amazing here at Orchard. And so in just a moment, when the ushers come forward to pass the buckets to receive an offering, let's give with a thankful heart that God has chosen to partner with us and allow us to be a part of what he's already doing. And if you're not giving here, if this is your church, home, now is a great time to jump in because greater things are still to come. Our God is not done changing lives here at Orchard, and he invites us to be a part of that. Isn't that exciting news for us? If this is your first time with us, please do not feel like you need to give in this moment. All we would ask of you is just take that connection card. When that bucket comes, just drop that in there. We want a chance to get to know you better, make sure that we have done our best to host you as you visited us today. And like Doug said earlier, if, if that bucket comes by and you have a legitimate need, feel free to take. There's no judgment. We would love to be able to help you guys out in that time. Let's all stand together. We're going to close in giving, close in worshiping through music and in our giving. And if you just prayed that prayer to receive Jesus today, please stay Step out right now, go across the hallway into the lobby to the yes booth and uh, talk with someone there. And we're going to, the rest of us are going to stay put and we're going to worship together.